What more can one say? This is game seven. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Little Hockey Podcast. As always, we're your host, Keegan. I'm here with my brother, Jordan. Say hi, Jordan. Hey, friends. Um, as always, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else that you uh, find podcasts. Give us a follow. We're going to try and do a bit of a shorter show here today. We went pretty long in our last episode trying to make up for the um, how late in the week we we sent it out, but now we've only got a few games to talk about and a couple interesting points around the league. So it'll be fun to get into that. But to start us off, Jordan, give us a quick little betting update from the weekend. How you been doing? Uh, a, a bit better. Um, we're picking things up. I've got uh, two days in a row where I've made money uh, and three of the last four. So uh, feeling pretty good. Um, I don't feel good about betting on the Flames or the Canucks or the Flyers, though. Those teams have been losing me a ton of money uh, on top of our regular losers of the uh, St. Louis Blues. Um, I have um, cleansed myself of the urge to um, bet on the Sabres in the hopes that I somehow miraculously catch the end of this um, gigantic losing streak they're on. But um yeah, that, that's more or less it. Um, you know, we, we still love the Minnesota Wild here. Um, they're, uh, they're coming through with us pretty, pretty frequently. Uh, I think I did the math today, and uh, the Wild have gotten me like 19 bucks this month, which is pretty awesome, uh, considering that I'm, I'm down quite a bit uh, over the month as, as a whole. Kind of nice to have a team that you could rely on to get you a bit of cash, eh? Yes, absolutely. Um, especially when there, are, when so many of the other teams that I've been relying on are just so volatile when it comes to betting. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's it seems like I'm not betting on every game of the night, but um, I've been noticing that the underdogs are coming through less frequently now. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily like 100% accurate or if it's just kind of uh, a trend in the games that I'm betting on. But for the most part, it's it's all of the the favorites that keep coming out, um, at least when I'm putting the money down on them. Uh, well, maybe you'll be trending up a bit more when I, I want to say when the Leafs start winning again, but who knows when that's going to be. Yeah. But speaking of hopefully the Leafs, that yeah, hopefully that's soon. Yeah, you all, you did have a decent, uh, decent game Saturday night after we recorded, eh? Yes, that's right, we did. Um, Jack Campbell had a, a shutout again. He's uh, he's allowed four goals in the four games that he's uh, started this season. He's yeah, it it 
it's Jack Campbell's net now, in all honesty. Like we, we talked about on our last episode, kind of uh, the frustrations with uh, Freddie as the goalie, but uh, it came out today that he's going to be injured for the next uh, seven to 10 days. So it, there's not, there's a pretty strong likelihood of him not even being like the backup goalie available uh, for most of the games coming up. Um, so, you know, this is Jack Campbell's opportunity to show that he can be the guy going into a really important stretch towards the, uh, the playoffs here with only like 22 games left in the season. I think it is. Um, so yeah, if Jack Campbell wants to be the Leafs starting goalie come the start of the playoffs, uh, this is his chance to prove that he can do it. And maybe even beyond the playoffs, maybe even beyond the playoffs. You're right. Yeah. Because you know what, if, if next season we could go into uh, the year with our starting goalie making like, I think it's something like 1.6 million, that would be pretty awesome. That would free up quite a bit of cash to use elsewhere. Um, maybe even potentially bringing in like a, a guy that can be in a, a tandem with Campbell, which I'm all for. Um, but uh, it, it's exciting the kind of flexibility that could create. Yeah, maybe get one of those Arizona goalies as a as a tandem with Campbell, or just have the nice guy net and have uh, James Reimer back. Oh. He... <sighs> <laughs> Man, don't don't tempt me on that one because as much as i love james reimer um i don't know if i want to be uh uh having him as like the the other half of the tandem ju- just because of he, he he's kind of a heart attack in the net <laughs> and i don't know if i can go through that again with the heightened expectations that we've got now um, i do love him and it would be like the ultimate nice guy team if we've got jack campbell and james reimer as our goalies that would be uh that would be a lot of uh, positive karma going our way in all likelihood. So, you know what, maybe we should just do it for that. Yeah. Eh? Just get the yeah. good vibes going. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, well, James Reimer, 16 games started with Carolina, 12 wins. Yeah. But you check that, uh, that safe percentage there. I don't, think I mean, I wasn't going to say anything. It's but... not super strong. <laughs> Nine Oh nine. Yeah, league average. Um, it was a lot better earlier on in the year, and then he had to start a whole bunch of games in a row, and that's when it started to dip. Well, league uh, average is nine oh two right now. That's a that's an insanely low league average. Really? Because last time I checked, like last week, it was nine oh nine. I heard on the weekend it was nine oh two. Okay. Um. Oh my god, I can't think and type at the same time here. <laughs> oh, um. Oh no! I'll save that for later. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> no, uh, I just I just saw a funny stat that is very. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm seeing yeah, league average save percentage is nine oh eight. Oh okay. I don't know where I was listening to a podcast and I heard nine oh two. So yeah, who knows? Like it it could be different numbers too. Like the the NHL has been really weird with their uh, tracking of shots this year. It's been really um, inconsistent and and odd. But uh, one more thing I wanted to say about Jack Campbell was that uh, I saw a video on Twitter. Um, I can't remember who put it out. Uh, I'll see if I can find it on my account because I did retweet it. Uh, They were comparing Jack Campbell, um, some recent Jack Campbell saves to um, Cujo saves from the past. And I was like, oh, shit. Like the stack the pads? Yeah, last week I know I was saying um, that I was a little bit hesitant to just uh, get fully on the Jack Campbell bandwagon for him being the starting goalie moving forward. But if you're going to start comparing him to Cujo, like oh, sm- like 
I, you know what i'm i'm just about like i i might be the uh the conductor on that uh that bandwagon is trying basically what i'm trying to get to yeah because some of those saves were basically identical to Cujo saves and it's just oh boy maybe he's watching some old film maybe yeah yeah but that that stacking the pad save was crazy because like you you know that freddy's not making that save because that, that's just not how he plays he would have tried to slide over and, and cover like seal the the bottom half of the net and it would have gone up over his shoulder or over his pad or whatever but uh yeah jack campbell just uh, shows some creativity and some desperation and makes a huge save uh, so if, if he can keep doing stuff like that then he could very well become my favorite player on this team there's nothing I love more than just an absolutely wild goalie that's stopping the puck just totally insanely. I thought you just said you hated James Reimer because he was a heart attack in the net. <sighs> yeah, I did just say that. <laughs> Calling you out but, on you. No, but here's, here's why James Reimer always gives me heart attacks. It's not because he like makes those crazy saves. It's because he, he, always, he does this thing where a shot comes from like the point or the boards or something. And if there's a screen and he doesn't see it, he just stand like he's on his knees and he's got his, his uh, blocker up and his glove up, like right up at his shoulder. And he doesn't move until he hears the puck hit the glass. And then he's like, Holy shit, where is it? (laughs) And that that would happen like at least once every single game. And I'd be like, James, you got to find the puck, man. You've got to know where it is. You can't do this every single time somebody shoots the puck through a little bit of traffic. Like, my heart cannot take this. <laughs> um, that, that's more so the thing that scares the shit out of me with Reimer. Um, Jack Campbell, like, Jack Campbell is pretty steady in the net. It's just when he's got to make a desperation save like that, he goes full tilt to do it. Uh, and that's, that's what's awesome to see. Yeah, there's no, there seems to be no quit in Campbell's game, and he's definitely getting the trust of his players. And and he swallows a lot of shots too, right? Like he he doesn't kick out a ton of rebounds. Um, at, at least that's what it seems like. Uh, watching him, it seems like there's very few rebounds that um, that you know go back out into the slot or uh, create a lot of issues for his defenders. He's he's really there's a lot of one and done shots with him, which is great. Um, which can be true with Freddie sometimes, but um, like he's really just a blocking goalie, right? He he gets in the way and it the puck hits him, and then it's up to the defenders to clear it a lot of times. If the puck hits him, if the puck hits him, shit, yeah. Otherwise, it's just in your net. But but, uh, but yeah, overall, I'm feeling a lot better about the the Leaf season than I was a week ago, and like even then, I, I was kind of on the verge of panicking about it, but uh, I was still managing to stay calm. Uh, although that uh, that Sens game really did uh, give me a run for my money when it came to keeping things calm. Which Sens game? Uh, the one like a week or so ago. The the lo- most recent game that the Leafs and Sens played. The one where we almost blew a four one lead. Yes, that one. Okay, yeah that that one got my heart racing too for a very different reason than yours. I think. Yeah, exactly. Like for me, it was I was just mad for like seventy percent of the game, and then they started coming back and I got my hopes up and then they still lost. And I was like, well, you know what? Now I'm like 90% more mad than I was earlier. They gave you hope. Yeah. Cause they gave me hope. If you guys are just going to like shit the bed and lose, just do it for the whole game, please. Don't give me <laughs> any of that, any of this hope stuff. 
all we ask for is consistency. Either be consistently <laughs> good or consistently bad. None of this yeah. t- three minutes of good shit. Exactly. Um, but speaking of some some uh, three minutes of good, holy shit, we're, we're recording like 20 minutes after this, uh, this Sens game on Wednesday night. And that game-winning goal shift was three minutes of good for the Senators. Well, I think... It was uh, Noah Hannafin was on for three minutes. He got caught uh, on for a long time for Calgary. He did, but and, it sure felt like Ottawa had the pressure in the Calgary zone for all, that entire amount of time too. We basically did. Like they tried clearing it out numerous times, and Mike Riley did an excellent job holding the line a few times. Shabbat did it a couple times. I think Stutzel did it once or twice. And similar to Calgary's goal, where you could feel it coming because of the sustained pressure. Like it was only a matter of time before Ottawa scored there, and their puck moving was absolutely insane. Like that, that was a glimpse of what this team could be in the next year or two. Just this crisp, um, very dangerous team that just hems you into your own end. Like um, Brady was being a nuisance the entire time. Stutzel was m- having some fancy footwork. Um, like I was saying, Riley was doing really well on the blue line. Shabbat was doing very well walking the line and just. Sorry about that, guys. Had a bit more uh, technical difficulties, as is the case for most of our shows, unfortunately. Somehow, yeah. Like, I don't. A little bit of rain apparently brings our internet just crashing down. It's. It's stupid. But uh, yeah, Keegan, you, you were talking about the uh, the Senators game winning goal. So, yeah, so I'll just kind of quickly start from the top and go through my points again. Uh, I basically just wanted to say Ottawa had some really good sustained zone time. Noah Hannafin was caught out there for about three minutes straight, which is un- absolutely ridiculous. Like, for any NHL player to be caught out on the ice for that long is going to exhaust them. And I I said it uh, before we had the issues. I don't know if it'll still be in the show or not, but I was just saying how it, it seems like this is the – potential that the senators team could have in the next year or two the way that we were able to just keep zone pressure the entire time and just outwork the other team and have the skill to make those cross ice passes that is the team that pierre dorian is trying to build and that is the team that dj smith is trying to get us to play like so it's it was really really almost reassuring to see in ottawa like relatively speaking has been on the up and ups basically since um, we had that terrible first 15 games, we've just been trending upwards. So to see us continuing to develop like that and seeing the young guys being able to like just hold pressure in, in an NHL game when the game is on the line is just, it's great to see for senators fans. It's really, really, uplifting and it really is kind of the light at the end of the tunnel you know yeah and also um chris tierney after not scoring for 30 games getting two straight game winners is absolutely hilarious and mad sen sicko energy <laughs> and i love it um yeah that, that is pretty good for him uh, one thing i did notice about that um that game winning goal today and that that sustained zone pressure um, like, like I, I think you said earlier, like all the credit to Mike Riley for holding the, the blue line so often, like they, they just, Calgary couldn't break out, but also 
they weren't trying to break out of the zone. They were just trying to clear the puck. Flick it. And they were some of the like worst clearing attempts that I have ever seen a team under that much pressure try to make. Um, there was one, I think it was Lucic just threw it off of like the, the boards behind the net, trying to get it to rim, rim around and out, but it wasn't anywhere near hard enough. And the Sens defenseman managed to get over there with plenty of time. Uh, there was another one where somebody tried to like flip it up uh, center ice and Riley just stood there and caught it and brought it back or somebody brought it back down. Um, it's just like, it's so frustrating seeing a team try to make that play. Like I get that they're dog tired. They are exhausted out there. Some of those guys like Hannafin by the end of the shift had been out there for three minutes and it sure looked like some of the other Flames players were out there for about that long too. Because by the by the time the goal was scored, they were standing the, still. They were standing still. They weren't doing anything. But at the same time, like if you're not going to make a play to get the puck out, just send it all the way down. Just, just fire it, it. Fire it down the ice. Like yeah, it's going to be an icing, and you're going to be stuck out there. But take a timeout. I don't know if they can anymore. I don't know if you can take a timeout on on an icing anymore. Yeah, you can. Are you sure? Because I think they got rid of that like um, last season or something. It was pretty recent because there was a lot of talk about that. Uh, really? Maybe they didn't. Uh, maybe they, they just changed the face-off thing so that the um, offensive team could choose which side of the ice it was on. Yep. Um, but yeah, if you can take a, a timeout, take the timeout. If you can't, you still get like a little bit of time to catch your breath. And then you're also on, you've got a face-off situation where it's, a 50-50 chance you're going to win the puck. And if you win it, then you've got an opportunity to get the puck out of the blue line and dump it in, change your guys, or at least change some of them. Just the the weak-ass clearing attempts from the Flames sunk them. Um, yes, they they had did. like four opportunities to clear the zone, and they didn't come close any of the times. Uh, and I saw that a lot in the third period where they would um, – they would collapse down in front of the net and then they're just trying to like flip the puck out to center ice. And, but they're not able to get it past the blue line. And then all of a sudden they've got all five of their players down around the flames net. And the Sens players have tons of time up at the blue line and the high slot to figure out where they want to move it to, because there's all this space created by the, the collapsed flames players and the, the flames players didn't have enough energy to get out to the, the point in the board. So it, it was, it was just a mess that second that that game winning goal for the Sens on the uh, the Flames Flames uh, side of things. It was uh, not good if you're a Flames fan or if you're like me, an idiot, and bet on them for the second game in a row. But if you're a sickle like me, you absolutely love. Yeah, it. exactly. Like all again, all the credit to the Senators for hemming them in the zone and um, coming out of it with a with a goal, and then by the end of the game, a win too. Yeah. Well, some other key – one thing that I did want to make mention was Alex Formanton got his debut tonight. I thought he looked great. Um, you really notice his speed out there. Like, he is – he was the fastest player in this game, bar none. Like, he he's able to move around the ice so efficiently and so quickly. He's able to get onto stride in one or two steps. And his defensive play he made on uh, Mangiapani, where he just – got in front of him and just kind of guided him towards the boards to separate him from the puck. It was awesome. And it's really cool to see Formington 
making an impact like that at the NHL level because we weren't quite sure what we were getting with him when he played his first nine games back in 2018. But now it kind of seems like um, he's able to play both ends of the ice. He's able to be that offensive threat while also being responsible in his own end. And it was also nice to know that he didn't take a penalty this game because he's kind of bad for that in Belleville. He gets a lot of stick infraction penalties. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say he, he had a good game because he didn't take five penalties in one game, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, in Gus, we trust. Gustafson, last two games, Ottawa's best player, bar none. Yes. He, he was very, very good tonight. Um, the, the last game against the Flames, it didn't seem like his workload was super heavy. A lot of those shots were coming from the, the boards and the outside, but... Um, in the first period, in the second period, it got a lot harder for him, and he made all but one. Yeah, yeah. So it, it looks like Ottawa's got a bit of a goaltending contra- controversy, not just with the starter and the backup. Uh, well, with the third even, and fourth. Yeah, it's between yeah the third and fourth goalies who should be the starting goalie, I guess, because those two guys have played better than um, Matt Murray and Hogberg. Hogberg. Yep. Then those are those were Belleville's go-to guys last year. And they were supposed to be Belleville's go-to guys again this year, but I think both of them, one of them is going to be the backup next year. My guess would be Decord just because he's older and we got to figure something out with Murray. Either he figures his shit out or we will have to move one of these guys because we can't keep him. You, you just leave Murray exposed in the expansion draft. They're not going to take him because of his contract. No, uh, but they might. They might. <laughs> they They might. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but but yeah. That, that, also, um, that can be a topic so, for a different for a future episode. But yeah, I just but, also want to get this in there. Uh, fuck the Flames for trying to steal the puck. <laughs> fuck them. That was classless. That was garbage. Um, I think it's Rasmus Anderson. Get fucked. I hope a puck knocks you out next game. Like that was absolutely insane. Matthew Kachuk, I'm not as mad with. He was just kind of messing with Brady, firing the puck away from him. I'm not as upset with that. And anyone trying to use the case of, oh, Brady Kachuk tried to steal Montreal goalies Caden Primo's first NHL win puck. No. Brady wasn't trying to steal that puck. After most games, he takes the puck and throws into the stands to a fan. He was going to do that, and then Carey Price very angrily came up with him because he had the same thought everyone else did of, hey, you're throwing this guy's first NHL win puck over the ice, over, over the glass, what the hell's wrong with you? And then Brady immediately, when he realized what was going on, said, oh, crap, didn't mean, didn't know that was the situation. Here's the puck. And he handed it to Price. He didn't throw it to him on the ice. Yeah. So don't, that's not a comparable. And Anderson saying he didn't know, that's a lie. Get fucked. That's it. That's all. That's all I want to say. Um, and yeah, before we move on, it also came out today that Austin Watson is going to be out four to six weeks with like a broken hand or something. Yeah, um, he blocked a shot with his hand in the first Calgary game, and he blocked a lot of shots in that sequence, actually. But that's that sucks. He was a good energy guy, and apparently all the teammates just absolutely love this guy. He really endeared himself to the fan base. I'm going to miss him. Um, if it means Formington gets a few more looks, that's a nice silver lining. But I... I, I don't think we should discount the impact Watson has had, and he will be missed in this lineup. Yeah, uh, it, it is kind of funny, though. Well, not like funny, strange that so many of these veteran players that were brought in from the offseason are uh, not playing right now for the Senators. Like you've got uh, Cedric Paquette, 
traded. Galchenyuk traded. Um, Derek Stepan injured out for the season. Austin Watson out for basically the rest of the season. Matt Murray um, injured. Uh, yeah, injured for an extended, an unknown period of time. Um, Good Branson, healthy scratch for two straight games. Yeah. So it, although Josh Brown has not really been any better, he almost led to a, a Calgary goal tonight because he yeah. couldn't oh. even make a simple DDD pass to Willannon and threw it three feet in front of him. I, I, I wasn't watching the game super closely. I just kind of had it on and I was staring at it. Um, I didn't even know that Josh Brown was playing. <laughs> yeah, he was Willannon's defense partner and did not make Willannon's night any easier. And Willannon's been struggling lately. And you know what? I, I don't think I heard Willannon's name once in the in the game tonight either. I'm not convinced he'll be in Ottawa center by the end of this year or next. Yeah. I, don't, I think DJ just doesn't trust him. And I think even he's like, just get me out of here. Get me a fresh start. And I think we'll see a left side of, Shabbat Riley Branstrom next year. Well, you know what? Speaking of guys that aren't around anymore, um, Tim Peel had a bit of an incident <laughs> in um, in the uh, Nashville and Detroit game on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, did you? Have, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Did you have anything to say? Anything else to say about the Sens uh, just before we move on here? No, that's it. We're done. They did yeah. well. Gus is awesome. Um, looking forward to beating Toronto tomorrow night. Knock on wood. Well, uh, Tim Peel is also done. He was uh, a long-time NHL official, uh, a referee in the league. And for the last while, he's kind of been regarded as the worst referee in the NHL. Really? Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't even, I don't know who this person is ex- other than this incident. Yeah. Um, I, he, other than the guy who got hit in the nuts for the puck to go in guy. on the Wongo. That was yeah. this guy. Yeah. Um, he's also the guy that uh, got suspended a few years ago because he did an interview with Greg Wyshynski of Puck Soup Podcast, ESPN, and formerly uh, Puck Daddy on um, Yahoo. Um, and he, he did this interview at a bar and they like did tequila shots and stuff together during this interview and took some pictures of them drinking the shots. And it was a night before he had a, a game to officiate. And then the league suspended him for that game because he was drinking the night before. Um, really? Yes. If yeah. it was night of, I would understand, but night before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. But he, he was also like in that interview. Um, I haven't read it in a while, but I, I kind of, uh, I, I remember a couple of the points that were in it. Like he, he talked about how like the way the league wants referees to call games Um. And it's using a lot of like judgment um, in their interpretation of the rule book. No black and white rules. Yeah, which uh, is kind of a, a sticking point for a lot of hockey fans, just because it seems like there's a lot of inconsistency going on. But uh, before we get into kind of that whole um, officiating theory, um, I'll kind of sum up what's gone on with Tim Peel in case uh, you haven't heard. Um, last night in the uh, or. Tuesday night, March 23rd, um, he was officiating the Nashville Predators versus Detroit Red Wings game. And uh, I think it was in the first period. Um, Nashville got a power play. Um, Victor Arvidsson drew an interference, I think it was, penalty. And then um, Nashville managed to get out to like a one nothing lead. Uh, and early in the second period, I believe it was, um, Peel calls 
a tripping penalty on Victor Arvidsson. And in his explanation to apparently it was the Nashville bench or Philip Forsberg of the Predators, uh, he, he said that he wanted to get, he wanted to um, make sure that Nashville got a penalty early in the period. And it was caught on a hot mic that he was wearing and broadcast onto the Predators local broadcast. So people heard him say that he wanted to make sure Nashville got a penalty early in the period. He also dropped an F-bomb in there too, and that was clear as day on the broadcast as well. Um, But it kind of made a lot of people's, like a lot of eyebrows got raised at this because it's like everybody knows that NHL refs make like that makeup makeup calls, calls. Exist, right? Yeah. You know that there's a makeup call or an even up call. If, if a team gets like three power plays in a row, you know that the, the team that got the penalties called on them can basically commit murder out there until. Um, all right. So, so let's say Nashville gets like three straight penalty or three straight power plays you know the Red Wings can then commit murder out on the ice because the refs are like, well, you know, we just gave them three straight penalties, so we can't give them a fourth one because that's not really fair. We've got to wait until Nashville breathes on somebody, and then we can give Detroit a power play. And then, like, that'll kind of even things up a bit, and that'll uh, make things a bit more fair. Like, that, that's, that's the, like, essence of what NHL officiating is. It's a fair game is a game that has both teams with the same number of power plays at the end of it. Not a properly called game. No. Like that a, a fair game is the team that is that is um, committing the infractions gets all of the penalties called on them and the team that is not making that is not committing infractions does not get the penalties called on them. That's a fair and equitable game. Um, the way the NHL apparently instructs their referees to call games is bullshit. I hate it. Uh, it's, it's infuriating. It, and like, I, I was trying to do a little bit of research on this. I, cause this strategy of it, uh, of officiating is um, often referred to as game management. And I couldn't really find like a solid definition of what game management is um, just because across a bunch of different sports, there's, different um different uses for that phrase and then there's also like in terms of uh, wildlife preservation and that one wasn't particularly helpful in not really <laughs> no but uh yeah so i i found a blog post on the website uh, team stripes it's basically like a, a hockey refereeing website uh and there's an article that is just all about game management and it explains how how hockey referees should call games and it's basically a a checklist for all the shit that drives hockey fans nuts um what what it says in there is like set a standard early in the game for what the calls are going to be like so make sure that you're calling like a hook or a trip early on so that players know exactly like okay that's the line this is how things are going to go all night uh and kind of the way the way you use your judgment in making a penalty call is like, did it directly remove a scoring chance? Okay. Then that's a penalty. Did it happen behind the play or off to the side where things where it's not 
really directly impacting a scoring opportunity, then you know what, maybe not a penalty. And it's like, guys, it, it shouldn't really matter all that much. Like I get there are some times where a, a guy trips over a stick off to the side of a play and it doesn't really have all that much of an impact on like a scoring opportunity or something. But if it if a guy intentionally trips somebody, it's a fucking trip. <laughs> if a guy hooks somebody, if he gets his stick up in the hands uh, of the puck carrier, that's a hook. It doesn't matter where on the ice it happens or what the score is. Um, it, yeah, it's the idea behind game management doesn't really work out in reality to make an equitable game, um, and it doesn't make it for a consistent product either. If if hockey fans are, are getting confused by what a hook is from not even game to game, but period to period, just because you can say like, sure, that was a hook in a, you know, a zero zero game, but this is a two one game in the middle of the second. So it's not a hook. It's like, oh, OK, well, why does the score of the game matter? If, if it's if it's a if it's a penalty, it's a penalty, basically. Um, but uh, I, I just wanted to um, read a short quote from this article that kind of, when I read it, I was like, I, like, I almost blew, blew my shit in my car when I read it. Uh, so it said, to start off, most officials understand that if you called everything that could be considered an infraction during the time it takes to play a game, you could be sending players on a parade to the box. Judgment is what separates a good official from a great one. The best rule of thumb in considering when to call a penalty depends on the situation. Like that's bullshit. <laughs> that's absolute bullshit. Um, also, I just want to say when you say you were reading this, your car was parked. You were not moving in. Yeah, this. no, I, I, yeah, I was parked. Actually, no shit. I was wrong. I was at home. I was reading it on my laptop. I came, I came home on. Okay. That's even better. I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah, no, I, whenever I'm reading stuff in my car, it's because I'm not busy and I'm just sitting in a parking lot waiting for stuff to happen. Um, but that the idea that if you called everything in the rule book, that there would just constantly be penalties happening, like what other sports, I, I, I kind of get the argument in terms of like soccer right? Like there are so many fouls in soccer, but also the, the foul in soccer doesn't remove a player from the playing field for a set amount of time. Right. So free it's, kick. yeah, it's just a free kick. It happens pretty quickly. It's a change in possession, right? It, it's a, it's an advantage in getting to restart the play under your own terms. It, so it's not really the same thing. There is no other sport where a foul results in removing a player from the playing surface. So those fouls in the other sports probably don't have as high stakes as a, a hockey foul, right? So the players are incentivized a lot more to figure out what the hell the standard is in order to play within it. Um, yeah, if you call the rules as they're written, there will be fewer infractions because players know exactly what the standard is, is basically what I'm trying to get at. Rather it, than this gray area. Crap. Yeah, ra rather than you just say, well, you know, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today, so that's not a cross-checking penalty. If, if you did it like three more times, that would have been a cross-check. Like, fuck, if it's a cross-check the first time, it's a cross-check the fifth time too. Just call it. 
cross checks one where like when when Pierre Dorian got Eric Franson and said he's one of the best cross checkers in the league or whatever it was, it's just like oh, so he's the best at getting penalties. Apparently not. Apparently not. Yeah. yeah like, uh, apparently, you can cross check four guys. Uh, uh, you can cross check somebody four times, and it's the fifth one that gets you the penalty. So as long as he stays within that standard, right? Like, think about how many cross checks happen in a battle in front of the net. The defenseman, that's all he's doing. Is well, he's the, just ramming his stick into your spine. Th- there's, to me, there's a difference between a cross check and like a... Um, a push. A push, exactly. Like, if you've got a guy up against you, if you're like touching somebody body to body and you use your stick to push him away, that's just you using your stick to push a guy away. It's not coming up behind somebody and going, uh, this, kind of, this guy's kind of standing in the wrong spot, so bang right on his spine like what lucic did to matthews yeah like that that shit needs to be called every time the the people that argue that like a a strong push in somebody's back is a cross check no i don't think that's true so there is there is room for judgment for nhl officials it's Um, almost like a cross check has like um i don't want to say like a recoil but like a push is like i have my stick here and i push you a cross check is like i come back and I like charge up and then accelerate to hit you with a cross check. There is no, um, there is no contact during the windup for it. Right. It's like you right. pick back to your chest or wherever, and you push it violently into another guy. Whereas a push is your stick is up against somebody and you just push them away from you. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think we're getting a little bit too close. Like we're, dissecting what a cross check is a little bit too much Basically, sure but this is a conversation that the league should be having yes exactly sure um and then the he did this this article i don't i don't know who it was written by again it was on team stripes i don't think it had an actual byline on it but um he, he they used a, an example of um like a trip in a game and it, the way it was described was um two offensive players let's say it's two calgary flames are coming down on the Senator's net on a two-on-one. Um, Johnny Gaudreau has the puck, and he's uh, got Sean Monahan with him. Um, Nikita Zaitsev slides to try to cover the passing lane. And uh, Johnny Gaudreau decides, I'm going to try to cut to the middle and jump over um, to, who did I Zaitsev. say? Zaitsev. I'm going to jump over Zaitsev. And then while Gaudreau's jumping over Zaitsev, he clips Zaitsev's like pants or whatever, trips and falls. Is that a trip? I would argue no. Yeah, no, of course it's not. <laughs> no, of course it isn't. And the, in this article, he's like, yeah, the referee has to use his judgment to make sure that, uh, or, or to decide whether this is a trip or not. The, you know, the Flames coach would be pissed because they just had a two-on-one negated. And it's like, well, then the Flames coach is a fucking idiot. Because he's talked to Johnny Gaudreau, not it, the yeah. It, if your player decides to try to right. jump over somebody lying on the ice, then it's your idiot player's fault for doing something that made him trip and fall. There are other routes you can take to get around a player that's lying on the ice. Now, if it was Zaitsev slid beyond, like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, if uh, Gaudreau kind of slowed down while Zaitsev was sliding and Zaitsev kept going past Gaudreau. And then Godro tried to cut to the net and Zaitsev swung his stick and knocked Godro's skate and he fell. Yeah, of course Trippy. that's a trip. Yeah. 
But if, if a player is going to try to jump over somebody on the ice, like, no, that's not a penalty. Fucking dumbass. <laughs> you don't need to use, <laughs> no. you don't need to use a whole bunch of brain power to figure out that that's not a tripping penalty. The one that gets me every time is goalie interference. The like a goal getting called back because there was goalie interference. Okay, so there's a penalty then, right? Because goalie interference is a penalty. That that's my thing. Yeah, if you if you take a goal back because there was goaltender interference on the play, then logically a penalty must be called on that play. Because goalie interference is a penalty. Yes, it, it's mind it's mind boggling that a team can get an offensive like or a, a uh, they can get a penalty from a failed offside review, but a successful goaltender interference or no shit uh, successful depends on if you're the defending team or not yeah but it an allowed shit no a what, disallowed goal a yeah, disallowed goal due to goaltender interference does not result in a penalty but it, a disallowed but it absolutely should but a disallowed but, offside goal results in a penalty even though offside you know, it, it's technically delay of game is what they're calling right yeah but yeah, but, essentially both of those, both of those situations should result in a penalty. Also, and, the fact that one kind of coach's challenge is a penalty and another isn't is also dumb. It is, yeah. Now that's not on the the referees. We'll say that, and, true. That yeah. that that's from the coaches just challenging everything to try and get a goal back. Well, it, it's also the league's decision about what can and can't be the result of a of a video review, right? The, the league would have to be the ones to say that um, an overturned goal for goaltender interference results in a penalty. And they're, they don't have the guts to do that because they're like, well, we don't really want to wipe out a goal and call a penalty on them. Well, it's like, well, we already do that with offside. So fucking get your act together. Um, it, yeah, it's just infuriating the state of the Unless you're the, the defending team. If you get scored on, well, it's just... What are the rules? Yeah. Like, like, um, like Steve- we, we, um, the, this fucking league just approved changes to this year's draft lottery, um, which they changed it so that the, the, the lottery only, picks two that picks. are available to win is the first and second. Yeah. Yeah. It's two instead picks. Instead of the first, second, and third. And that's, because the Red Wings, who were historically bad last year, dropped down to fourth overall in the draft. Yeah. And everybody knew that was a possibility when we agreed to this um, five years ago. We had this draft format for five years. That's it. This came in with the Austin Matthews draft. Not even, not even five. Four drafts. 2016, 17, 18, 19. Oh, shit. 20. Five drafts. Okay. <laughs> math. Math is yeah, hard. Math is hard. Um, but yeah, it's the the yeah the the league is so fucking ridiculous with this stuff. Like they've got to make these minor tweaks to like face off locations um, and change the draft lottery because the Rangers won it two years in a row and moved up a bunch of spots. Um, but then when like thousands of fans and media people are calling for changes to the dumbass way that this league officiates it's on ice sport. They're like, uh, no, like that, that, that's an overreaction to, uh, to one instance. It's like, Oh sure. Yeah. The NHL has never overreacted to one event ever, not even one time. 
It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I never realized how... Because we've been following hockey for so long that we're just used to all the rules, right? So I never realized how complicated and ridiculous they are until I try to explain it to someone else. Yes, exactly. That, that and was it's like, like me this week trying to explain the uh, DC Extended Universe movies to uh, our brother Corey and our sister Aaron. I had to do it over text. It was fucking impossible. <laughs> yeah, like... You think of like baseball, basketball, and football. All the rules are easy to follow because they're I'm, called the same every game. We also say that not really following I, never any of those it. sports. I'm sure if we got more invested in it, there would be some rules where like this is fucking stupid and confusing. But well, the, 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 many... the NHL wears this stupid and confusing crown out of all of the pro sports leagues. Yes, but just think about how many fouls are called in a basketball game, right? Yeah, there are a lot, but I think they're a lot more straightforward, too. Sure, but they don't not call them. Yeah, I, NBA doesn't is pretty lax on traveling, apparently, as I've been told. And also my understanding, too, is that it depends on the person that is on the receiving end of a foul, too. Star players get lean. Star, star players, yeah, you can't breathe on LeBron James, but you can like run over some like bench player who nobody knows his name. But that seems to be the same in every sport, except for hockey. Connor McDavid can get mugged six times on a shift with no penalty called, and then he goes and understandably gets pissed off and pushes a guy, and he gets called immediately. It's like the that always pissed me off too about like the retaliation penalty. Like that's dumb. You know what? I'm not retaliating if you call the initial fucking call on the other guy. I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna punch him in the head if you called the cross check or the second or the second through fifth cross check either. It's yeah, uh, yeah this dumbass sport and it's like hyper masculinity complex. It's fucking idiotic. I love this sport, but I understand why people don't watch it. Yeah, it it's. It's such oh a fun it, hockey is so fun to watch. It is so fun to watch. And then you get this officiating shit and it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, the, the people that are in, like, we need to get Cole and Campbell out of the NHL head offices. Um, and uh, we need to um, um, just hand the reins over to Ray Ferraro and uh, Mike Johnson from TSN. That's it. As much as, wanna... as, as much as I'd hate to lose them from uh, my TV on, on hockey broadcasts, I think the league would be in a way better place if those two guys were in charge. Yeah, I think you're right. One thing that also I would like to go on a rant at some point is discipl- disciplinary action from the uh, player safety. Oh, you mean the wheel that they spin? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that that is a discussion for another day, but that is something that has always bothered me and has just this this sport is we've said it before. This sport is great. This league is awful. Yes. And my last thought on this is um I, I had heard like my initial thought when I heard that Tim Peel was he wasn't really fired, he was just like taken off of the schedule, basically. He'll still get his pension and everything else. It's just yeah, he, he's re- he's retiring at the end of the season too. So in in a month, it's not even really like a punishment for it. It's just like, Hey, you get to retire a month early. See you later. 
Yeah, and the NHL were very specific in their wording when they sent their tweet. Yeah, they did tweet. not they say said, he was relieved of his duties or has been fired or anything. They just said he has been removed from the schedule for this season and will not um, not be working any NHL games this season or in the future. It's, it's like, like, well, yeah, because he was retiring. Because he was going to retire. Yeah, you gave him basically a month long suspension. That's it. But with not pay. even you gave him you gave him an earlier retirement. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably yeah. like, I should have said this fucking years ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, when, when I first heard that, I, I was, I was, my thought was, this is an overreaction and they're scapegoating Tim Peel. And then I, I did hear some, some talk on TSN 1200 today about how uh, like the league, even if this isn't like the biggest issue ever of what he said, because everybody already knew it was happening anyways, um, it, it can't be out there explicitly because the NHL is trying desperately to get um, gambling money. They, they yeah. want, they want a share of the uh, gambling revenues on their, on their games. And if there is even like this, like the tiniest little hint of any kind hey, of management, yeah, it, well, no, just impropriety, like a referee okay. saying, I wanted to give this team a penalty. That sure sounds like I am biased towards a team and that's going to impact um, the legitimate, uh, the legi- legitimacy, legitimacy. Thank you. I kept trying to say legitimacy, like we're in fucking Hogwarts. Um, but yeah, the legitimacy of their uh, of their games and their product. But um, so that that was an interesting thought that I heard. I think it was Steve Lloyd on TSN twelve hundred today on uh, in the box. But admittedly, almost all of their hosts now that Ian Mendez is gone, all of their hosts sound the same to me. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I listen like almost the entire day, every day that I'm working, and I can't tell who the fuck any of those guys are. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love Ian Mendez. It's so nice to have him as his athletic podcast and his hockey articles on the athletic. Yes, absolutely. Um, but moving on, because we're uh Oh, are we going to have time for this other segment or do you uh, No, if, if we go a little bit over an hour, that's fine. As long as we're not like way over an hour. Um, okay. Cause uh, this is really going to be mailed in for me. Not going to lie. <laughs> it, it could very well be for me as well. Um, let's see. We've got. Um, be, because we, we passed the midway point of the season, for, like, I don't know, relatively recently. Um, we, we forgot to do our mid season awards um i know a lot of other people have done it so if you're listening to us like sorry we're so late on this but uh you know we don't do it any- is what it is yeah we don't do anything quickly really so uh we're what we're going to do is we're going to give out the calder norris vesna and hart for the league and then we're also kind of going to do the same awards for each of our teams um we're the calder will be a little different we're going to do um first year players with the Sens or Leafs because the Leafs don't have any rookies on the team. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to start off, we'll, uh, we'll do the league wide Calder trophy and Keegan, who, um, who do you have winning the Calder trophy this season so far? Uh, Tim Stutzel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that the age limit for the Calder should be 23. I think the fact that it's like whatever it is now is already too high. Kirill Kaprizov isn't a rookie. He is a professional player who's just playing his first year in the NHL. That is a very drastic difference 
from this 19 year old playing his first year of um, NHL hockey. Like Stutzel had one year of professional hockey in Germany. Kaprasov has had what four or five in the KHL. Like I think it's five veteran. years in the KHL. Yeah, he's a veteran in another league already. Tim Stutzel isn't. Stutzel is still a teenager, and he's being able to not keep pace with Kaprizov, but put up a very admirable rookie season. Like he, his, his defensive numbers are bad. It's not even like oh they're a little below average. No, they are bad. I'm pretty sure. Last I checked, I don't know if this is still the case, but he had the lowest plus minus in the league. Who had it? Which Stutzel. Oh, okay, okay. But um, it it that's to be expected for a young player, and what he's able to do offensively, I think, is just absolutely unreal, especially for someone his age. And I think that him not being recognized with the Calder this year would just be a, a mistake. Like, remember when McDavid didn't win it because, I mean, he broke his collarbone, but Panarin won it that year? McDavid was also, like, way ahead of Panarin in the points race at, at that at the point where McDavid he got um, hurt got hurt yeah he was like he was tearing shit up at that point um and yeah, I, it was I, a point per game yeah um I don't think Stutzel's quite at the McDavid level but I do, no. I do appreciate your uh, your argument there that um yeah it, it would because kind of the argument with uh, the McDavid year was it would be a shame to look back on his career and say, look at his accomplishments and look at how amazing this player was. How did he not win the Calder trophy in his rookie season? And it basically boiled down to, well, he broke his collarbone in like December. Yeah. That is the reason why why Connor McDavid did not win the Calder. Yeah. um, That bugs me. Yeah. he should have won it that year. He should. And I, he should have. Um, yes. Uh, and I think that, that uh, not necessarily for the same reason. I don't think Stutzel's on McDavid's level. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to compare them in that regard. I'm just saying that the idea of these first-year KHL veterans coming in and winning our Rookie of the Year is ridiculous. And if you take Kaprizov out of, that, uh, of this equation, then Tim Stutzel by far and away is the best rookie this year. Yeah, you know what, Keegan, you're right. If you took out the best rookie this season, Tim Stutzel would be the best rookie this season. He's not <laughs> even a. I don't even. I do not consider Kirill Kaprizov a rookie. Okay, well, I'll uh, make my argument for why he should win and why he's going to. Like Tim Stutzel, he has is to... going. He's absolutely going. Kirill Kaprizov is going to win the Calder, and it's absolutely stupid and ridiculous. He's not a rookie. He has never played in the NHL before. So he he is a rookie in this league. Then why didn't Wayne Gretzky win it when he because when he, he was a because yeah that that was shenanigans between the NHL the NHL uh, had to admit that the WHA was a comparable league for reasons that I cannot recall right now. That's basically what that was about. At one point, the okay. NHL had to identify the WHA as being a legitimate professional league. Um, I think it was in order to like absolve, uh, abs- uh, 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 exonerate. No, um, absorb the teams like the Oilers, the Winnipeg Jets, the Hartford Whalers, all of the WHA teams that joined the NHL when the WHA folded. Yep. Um, those, 
I think that was kind of part of it that the NHL had to be like, okay, well, in order for these teams to be considered like legit NHL teams now, we've got to recognize that league as being a equal to our own. Yeah, like at least comparable to ours. Um, So I think that's that's kind of what it was. Or it was something to do with the contracts that players were signing because like Brett or uh, Bobby Hull jumped from the NHL to the WHA for a big payday. Yeah, he was the first $1 million player. Yeah, so things like that. That's why Gretzky didn't win it. Um, and also he wasn't drafted into the NHL. That was part of it too. That's fair. Also, yeah. not trying to compare Stutzel to Gretzky there. I'm just saying. <laughs> not, geez, you've already compared him to Connor McDavid and now Wayne Gretzky. Like you're setting some pretty high standards for Stutzel here. But um, yeah, Kirill Kaprizov is leading all rookies in goals and points. He leads his team in points and is second in goals. And the most important thing why he should be rookie of the year is He's an incredibly important player on a pretty good team in the Minnesota Wild this season. Um, uh, I will admit that if the performance between Stutzel and Kaprizov was closer, I would give the edge to Stutzel because he's younger and because he hasn't played in a professional league like the KHL or the NHL before. Uh, well, the NHL, obviously, because he's a rookie, but um, that, that, that's kind of my disclaimer on that is that like if 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 these guys end the season with like the same amount of goals and points then i would tend to give the edge to stutzel just because he is so much younger he's like five years younger four or five years younger than kaprizov like i get that argument and i i tend to agree with you in in regards to like the uh the players that come from like the khl that have spent a number of years playing at a high level there into the nhl uh, especially when they're in their like mid-20s basically but um this guy this guy's having a like a panarin type impact on his team and he he's just so much further ahead of the um the level of play that stutzel's been giving the senators that he, he just has, has five win. years more of experience again like he's not a rookie he he's a rookie in this league as much like i get you wanting stutzel to win it but it just sucks that uh, he comes into the same into the league the same year as kaprizov it's not even that okay yes i absolutely want stutzel to win it am i biased yes but i don't think a guy who has played five years professional hockey in a league that is arguably the best league in the world other than the NHL. Like there's an argument to me between the KHL and the AHL. So which one is better, right? Yes. I don't also, he's just, he's played hockey for so much longer than suits already that I just, I know it's just me, but I don't consider Kaprasov a rookie. I think this is his first year in the NHL. Sure. He's not a rookie. All right. Also, but uh, I'm looking at it right now. Kaprasov leads all quote-unquote rookies in goals, assists, and points. Yes, okay, it was assists as well. And the Minnesota Wild won. I don't know if he got any points tonight. That that might uh, also create some more separation between him and uh, Stutzel. But, Although, uh, uh, Kapo Kakinen, Minnesota's goalie, is also doing really well. Yeah, he is. I, I think there could be two Minnesota Wild players that are finalists for the Calder, plus Tim Stutzel. Yeah, that's looking likely. Yeah, um, Norris Trophy. I've got uh, Victor Hedman. I don't think it's a super shocker. Um, 
the best defenseman in the league is up for the best defenseman in the league trophy. Wow. That's a surprise. I know. And you know what? The rest of my, uh, my awards here are probably going to be shockers too. Um, I don't really know how much I can say about Hedman that hasn't already been said by literally everybody else, but uh, yeah, like it's Hedman. He's, he's the best. A, he's the best defenseman in the league. It's insane. Um, I wish I could clone him and have his clone on the Leafs. It would be amazing. Um, I, I, I don't think him being on the best team in the league should be a, uh, like it, it shouldn't hinder his ability to win this award again, because he is, he is the best defenseman in the league. Um, I don't have any, yeah. any stats or anything to back it up. It's just, he's the fucking best. Who do you have? Yeah. Um, for absolute chaos reasons, Tyson Berry. Holy shit, man. That's <laughs> a fucking wild pick. Uh, he's, you, you just sorted defenseman by points, right? And then picked the guy at the top? Hedman's at the top. Hedman's oh. got 33 points in 30 games. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's what I did then. Tyson Berry is second with 30 points in 29 games. Yeah, man. Like, I guess, you know, you, to win all the trophies, you just got to pass it to McDavid, right? Ask Dreisaitl. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, yeah, 55 goal score, uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, all he does is pass to McDavid. Oh, sorry receive passes from the there you go yes yeah no um i'm saying tyson berry not because he deserves it because he doesn't but just uh just because i think it'd be absolutely hilarious that toronto would give up a norris winning defenseman for nothing that that's literally the only reason why on the flip side though they acquired a future norris winning defenseman for nazim kadri there we go if you want to look and at then <laughs> and then proceeded to have him for the worst year of his career only to let him go to win said norris yeah well you know what fucking mike boobcock over there just sewered tyson berry's season last year like i i think that's really what got uh berry's like that's really what ruined him last year with the leafs was that awful start and I, he just was never able to truly find his game um or the net because every t- shot he took was like 16 feet h- too high and 40 feet off to the left or something. It was, it was bad. Um, just like that pick for the Norris. Holy shit. Um, the Vesna trophy. Who, who do you have for the Vesna? <laughs> um, probably the same guy as you, to be honest. Um, Vasilevsky. Yeah. It's Vasilevsky. Like I just, it's looked, I, I, I looked at it and it's like that guy, he's is the best goalie. He's 23 and one this season. He's got a 933 save percentage. Yeah. It's those it's are Andrew well. Hammond numbers. Like, damn. <laughs> those are those are Dominic Hassock numbers. Tim Thomas numbers. Um nice. yeah, like again, not a whole lot you can say. Him being on the best team in the league again shouldn't be um, a hindrance to him winning this because he is the best goalie again. Um, sometimes the best team in the league has the best players. Shocker. Who knew that? Who, who would know? Who would have thought that the best team in the league would have the best players? Um, so then I guess it's going to be no surprise as to who our Hart Trophy is going to be, right? I really shouldn't be. <laughs> who do you uh, have, Jordan? It's, yeah, it's McDavid. It's Connor McDavid. I, I was trying to think of a joke player from um, Tampa Bay, but I couldn't think of any of their shitty players because I don't think they have any. Yeah. Um, uh, well... Like, let's just say it as it is. Connor McDavid is tied for the league lead in goals and leads the league in assists. Yeah. And he's 
he got to 60 points in 34 games. Something second, like that. Yeah, the second highest point player in the league is Dreisaitl, who is on McDavid's team, and he has 50. And then the next is Mitch Marner with 44. Or Patrick Kane, sorry, with 44. Yeah, he's 16 points ahead of the next guy that's not on his team. Yep. It's insane. Um, McDavid, I, I think it's like there's a really strong chance he's going to hit 100 points in a 56-game season. It's going to be nuts. And it's going to be even more nuts when like 60% of the hockey media tries to find a way of not voting for him first place. Because some assholes are going to be like, oh, yeah, but he's in the Canadian division. And he scored like 25 of those 100 points against the Senators. It's like, who gives a shit? You can only play the teams in front of you. Uh, You know who he didn't get to play at all? The Buffalo Sabres, Anaheim Ducks, or Detroit Red Wings. Um, Um, Sorry, I just wanted to quickly interject something. So you know how McDavid had those three pointless games against Toronto, right? Yeah. Since then, he has played nine games. Guess how many points he's gotten in those nine games? Uh, something stupid like um, 21. 20. Oh, fuck. Close. In That's, the uh... nine games since being pointless against Toronto, he has recorded 20 points. Oh. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them goals. Seven goals, 13 assists in nine games. That's, yeah. Like he just. Start engraving his name on it now. They're, the, the people that are trying to galaxy brain like um, Patrick Kane, like, yeah, it's impressive what he's doing with an underwhelming Blackhawks roster. Um, he's still not as good as McDavid. <laughs> yeah. McDavid should win it, or at least, very least, be the runner-up every single year. It, it should be McDavid's trophy every single year. Um, it's up to the rest of the league to dethrone him. Yes, like Which, that, good that, fucking luck. That's should, McJesus. You you need to start the season with McDavid as being your number one on your heart trophy ballot, and then everybody else has to prove to you why it should be them instead. Instead of everybody doing the same shit they do all the time, which is just, um, oh, you know what? I don't really want to be like, I don't really want to pick the same guy as everybody else. So I'm going to just like hunt for and like make up reasons for it to be someone like for it to be Patrick Kane or Leon Dreisaitl. Or uh, you know some fucking other loser. Like as much as like I you're love giving Ma- them the trophy with an Matthews, Yeah, as much as I love Matthews, um, he's not going to win the Hart Trophy this year because he, he shouldn't. Should. No, he's yeah. Um, but now now that we're talking about Leafs players, let's move on to our um, our team picks for these awards. For for our teams, we're going to do the Selkie, so best defensive forward, the first year player could be a rookie, it could just be a new guy. Um, and then our teams, Norris, Vesna, and Hart winners. So our best defenseman, um, best goalie, and then overall MVP. Uh, do you want to start off with the Senators um, Selkie trophy winner, Keeks? Sure. So I've got this as Josh Norris. Um, I, f- I forget. I don't remember the metric. I don't remember the person who tweeted it. But they were just doing like, um, here are defensive metrics for forwards in the nhl and josh norris was third in the nhl on whatever defensive metric this was he is already one of the better defensive forwards in the league and he's only 21 or two years old and that's on a senator's team that routinely gets caved in possession wise too yes not when he's on the ice apparently apparently yeah 
no, I Josh Norris is our best defensive forward. Um, guys, you could, I guess, argue would be Connor Brown, Nick Paul, Drake Batherson's no pushover in his own end, but I wouldn't really put him on Norris's level. Um, and Alex Formanton, if he gets a good look, might come fourth. But no, Josh Norris is by far and away our best defensive forward, so I'd give it to him. What about for you in Toronto? Um, I've got uh, Zach Hyman. Uh, I, I'm going to be referencing some um, analytics and other like advanced stats and stuff, and I've got them all from Natural Stat Trick. So um, according to them, Hyman is up near the leaders on the Leafs in terms of all of the possession metrics, like um, Corsi 4 percentage, Fenwick 4 um, expected goals, high danger Corsi for like all of the stuff that indicates good possession play. Um, he's up with like the elite players on the Leafs, like Matthews and Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton is top of almost all of those um, somehow. Uh, but um, Zach Hyman, oh, is he's up. a good player. Yeah, Zach Hyman is up with those guys, despite starting fewer than fifty percent of his shifts in the offensive zone. He's the only. So he- He's the only guy, like Mikheyev is the only guy in the top 10 of Leafs skaters or Leafs forwards, I should say, um, that has uh, like uh, sorted by all of these uh, possession stats. Mikheyev is the only other guy that has fewer offensive zone starts than uh, Zach Hyman. And Hyman is like second or third in all of these metrics. Um, So he's incredibly good at getting the puck from the defensive zone into the offensive zone and creating and helping the team to create offense there. Um, He also plays on the penalty kill, unlike Matthews and Thornton. Um, And the new third line with um, Engvall and Mikheyev, it's amazing. Never scores. (laughs) All right. That's fair. I I don't know. I guess a good defensive player is a guy who makes sure you never play in your own end. Well, he, he's also like, he's good with his stick. He's good at reading plays. He's not afraid of physical play. So he gets in and he strips pucks. He blocks passing lanes. He does everything. He's awesome. Um, $5 million player right there for somebody else for the Leafs. He better be like a $2 million player. Three and a half. Yeah. Um, so moving on to our Calder trophy for our, our players. Again, this, this isn't necessarily rookie. This is just first year player. Um, so for the Leafs, I picked uh, TJ Brody. He's the most impactful player that the Leafs brought in this offseason. Probably our second best defenseman. Um, when he's on the ice, the Leafs are getting outpossessed slightly, but the shots against Leafs are of lower quality than what we get when Brody's on the ice. So um, basically what that means is that Brody's Corsi four and Fenwick four are both under 50%. So the shots that the Leafs are allow, the Leafs allow a few more shots and shot attempts against when Brody's on the ice. But then when they get into the offensive zone, the Leafs uh, expected goals for with Brody on the ice is uh 53% and the high danger Corsi four is 54%. So the Leafs are, are creating better opportunities than the other team is when Brody's on the ice, basically meaning that the shots that Brody is allowing are from like the point and the boards, but the shots that the Leafs get when he's on the ice are from the uh, home plate area. Home plate. It's more dangerous when he's out there. So that that's great. And he, he's been a really, really good play uh, a partner for Riley as well. 
yeah, I don't think there's much of an argument to be made there. TJ Brody's impact, although I don't watch every Leafs game, anytime I hear about it, people just either mention how great he is or don't mention him, which I feel like for his kind of style is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, well, what about you? Um, so because we define this as first year on the Sens and not just rookie, I don't have Stutzel here. Uh, if we said, if we left it at just rookie, then it would be Stutzel over Norris. But um, first year, Artem Zub. Artem Zub. He is our, yeah, our best defenseman. I know Thomas Shabbat is there. Artem Zub's our best defenseman. Ooh. All right. Yes. Thomas Shabbat is struggling this year. He gets hemmed in his own end a lot. He looks lazy in his own end. Breakouts, he's the breakout king. He, he's getting a lot of points, which is great. Artem Zub's our best defenseman. And if the two of them could work on a pair together, they would be very formidable. So because is, is Zub winning your um, Calder and your Norris trophy then? Yes. Oh, okay. Wow. Yes. Thomas Shabbat is Thomas Shabbat. He's a workhorse. He plays the most. He's he's an excellent player. Ooh. Artem Zub is more... We win more games with Zub in the lineup than we do with Shabbat. All right. Wow. Hot takes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'll just move right on to um, our to the Leafs Norris. Uh, it's Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin is the Leafs' best defenseman. I, I think this year, Morgan Riley has been our third best defenseman. See, and I've had similar thoughts about Thomas Shabbat. Yeah. It's not just, it's not overall. Yeah. Like next year, Riley, um, Morgan Riley and Thomas Shabbat will probably be the Leafs and Center's best defensemen again. This year, they are not. Yeah. Well, with, uh, with Jake Muzzin, he's leading the Leafs uh, defenders in Corsi four, Fenwick four, shots four, uh, expected goals four. All of that while starting the fewest shifts in the offensive zone at 42%. Um, what website are you on? Natural Stat Trick. Um, he, so, yeah, basically the Leafs are controlling all of the possession when uh, Jake Muzzin is on the ice, and they're starting from their own end most of the time that he's out there. So, he's again, he's getting the puck in the Leafs' D zone and moving it up the ice. Um, he is the Leafs' best defenseman. Uh, and it's not particularly close, I don't think. Yeah. No, like even Morgan Riley's not close enough? No, no. Like Morgan Riley right now is kind of like a distant third. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Vesna Trophy. Uh, well. Uh, to tell so you what, I'll, I'll go first. because Do my, you start? Mine's you short. Start. Yeah, it's Jack Campbell by default because Freddie's been bad and uh, Hutchinson... No, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> just, just, just no. No. Yeah. So it's it's Jack Campbell, and uh, we need him to be our um, best goalie for the rest of the season as well. Uh, so hopefully he uh, he keeps this going. Uh, who, that's who, fair. Who, I think Ottawa's is a little bit tougher. Because... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guess. Who do you think with, with Have you looked at the outline yet? Oh, uh, well, I, I've got my own notes on a different page here to hide all okay. of my stuff from you. So I'm not looking at the outline. Perfect. Um, who do you think I have as our Vesna? I feel like it's Joey Decord. You are incorrect. Oh, shit. You're going with the recency bias here. A hundred percent. Because as of right now, 
Philip Gustafson has the NHL's third best save percentage and third best goals against average. He has played two games. And yes. <laughs> yes. He has played two games. He has let in two goals and he has stopped. I don't even know how many shots. Yeah. He's been really, really good. Yes. Joey Decord, I think, uh, gave senators a lot of faith in him. I think he has a great attitude and I think he could be a better goalie than Gustafson. Uh, as of right now, Philip Gustafson has far and away outplayed the other three goalies. And with Forsberg playing tomorrow, I am nervous because he has not played uh, other than his two games in Belleville. Uh, he has not played a professional game in almost a full year. Yeah. But that, yeah, that will um, be interesting. Oh yeah. He's yeah. playing the Leafs too. Shit. That's yes. going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> Gustafson, his nickname in uh, Belleville was Philly franchise and he is living up to it. Fucking wicked name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was Philly franchise and then uh, branch of nickname was the franchise. Well, uh, oh shit. What, what is it? What's Nylanders? Willie Styles? Great nickname. Uh, oh, Snizbone. Snizbone. <laughs> yeah. It's Twitter, old Twitter handle. Yeah. I feel like that was a sex thing. That's why he changed it. Um, Probably right. smart. Tell you what, you, you tell me the Senators MVP this season. Who is it? Oh, Brady Kachuk. Yeah. He's the heart and soul of the team. He's going to be the first player in NHL history to lead the league in both shots and hits. He's the engine that drives this car. Like Brady Kachuk is the Ottawa Senators. Matthew Kachuk said it. The Sens play the way Brady plays because they are building around him. He is our next captain. He is the most valuable member of our team. And I really hope we sign him to a long contract, slap the C on him and win a cup. Because there is no one more important to this franchise right now than Brady Kachuk. All right. Well, the Leafs MVP for many of those same reasons, except for the uh, the hits and the next captain, is uh, Austin Matthews because uh, fucking duh. Like <laughs> again, we're n- we're not gonna we're not gonna try to galaxy brain shit here. It's Matthews. If it weren't for his wrist injury, he'd probably have thirty goals by now, which uh, is absolutely stupid. Yeah. Um. And he's he's just dominant. Even with only one wrist, he's still incredibly, incredibly valuable. Um, he He's the Leafs' best player. The Leafs um, live and die by him. Um, like you said about Brady, Matthews is the engine that drives the Leafs. Um, and the, the moment his wrist gets back to being 100%, the North Division had better watch the fuck out because... He's, I'm sure he's going to be pissed that he's been on this uh, scoring drought because of that injury, and uh, he's going to come out of it with a vengeance, I think. Yeah, he's going to come out, be a goal per game. Like, I don't know what the max number of games he can play is right now, but is it reasonable to assume Matthews is getting 40 goals this year? I don't think it's reasonable to, to think that because, like, uh, I think the Leafs, uh, if the Leafs are at like 33 or 34 games, then they, they've got like just over 20 games left. And you're asking him to score a goal in every single one of those games almost. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think he's getting to 40. I think like 32-ish. Yeah, I think 32-ish is probably the ceiling. Just because like that's still like 13 goals in, you know, 22 games. That's, that's still a pretty ridiculous pace. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, 
Like, what, what is that over a full season? That's, uh, you know, that's almost 50 goals over a full season. Which he'll do next year. He will do next year, and it will be awesome. Um, if he doesn't get hurt. Yeah. Do you, so do you have any final thoughts here? Um, we said we were gonna, not- yeah, we said we were going to keep it to a tight hour, and here it is an hour and 20 minutes in. Yeah, I know. That's why I was asking if you wanted to do this. But anyway, uh, Kaprizov isn't a rookie. shouldn't win the Calder. Um, fuck Anders, um, Rasmus Anderson for trying to steal the puck. And I am all aboard the Gus bus. All right. Philly cool. franchise Gus bus. Holy crap. Well, here we go. Do you have any uh, predictions for Thursday night's Sens-Leafs matchup? Um, how about a, a score from you? Uh, Leafs win 4-1. Oh, that's a good one. Um. Uh, tell you what, I'll say Leafs win 6-3. Oh, you think they're going to rack up the score, eh? Yeah, I think it'll be a high-scoring game just because it's the Sens' second half of the back-to-back. They've got a new goalie in there, and um, I. but I also think that the Leafs are going to come out firing on all cylinders. Maybe Ottawa gets a couple, uh, pots a couple late. So there we I, go. I will say uh, this to counteract that point, though. Um, it's the Leafs. Ottawa always turns it up another gear against the Leafs. Doesn't yeah. matter if it's a back-to-back. All right. Well, that's it for us uh, this week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, Please make sure that you're following the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at our handle is at little hockey pod. Make sure that you're subscribed or following the show on whatever app you get your podcasts from. Um, Please rate and review us on Apple podcasts. And um, until next time, uh, we'll catch you later. What a finish. 